Are you a victim crippled by the minotaur in the labyrinth of your mind? Or will you fight your biggest challenges like Theseus and fulfill your potential? My name is Zulfakar and welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Minotaur's Maze, uh, where my guest today is David Wolf, who is from Gainesville, Florida. Now, David has some phenomenal achievements um, as he has built several companies in the real estate uh, and financial industries, uh, which ended up being nine, 10, and even 11 figure businesses. He was the founder of Platinum Partners LLC, which is an umbrella corporation for 12 entities. He has been married for 21 years and has five children. Um, and he has supported multiple causes, including feeding the hungry, battered women with children, and many environmental causes. In fact, his nonprofit currently filters 80 billion gallons of water per year and grows over 2 million fish, crabs, and shrimp annually, which is all part of his mission to bring coastal waters back to life. David has since sold his company and has now started a new journey where he's going to be using all of his business experience to help other companies scale by cutting through the noise and distractions to get to the level of success that they desire. So firstly, David, thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Brilliant. No worries. So um, obviously, I'm just going to have given a quick rundown there, but in your words, can you just let everyone know who you are and a little bit about your background uh, from where you started where you are now? Uh, well, as you all know, my name is David Wolf. Um, you know, I grew up in, a, uh, in the U.S. here, um, middle class, and um, I had older parents. I'm, I'm kind of the baby of the family, so uh, I got to learn from mistakes of some of my older siblings, <laughs> which was a big advantage. But, um, you know, I know what it's like to... You know, to be on food stamps, to have a church paying your rent so you're not homeless. Um, you know, I know what it's like to watch like, my parents start a business, have it grow, and then have it fail. Um, you know, I've kind of seen both sides of, of the story. So you know, I, I think that did help me, you know, make a decision in my life that I was going to maybe not accomplish big things, but I was going to try really hard to make sure that I didn't end up back in places that you know, I grew up in and didn't want to be, so. Brilliant. Okay, so um, how did your entrepreneurship journey start? Did you go into business straight away or were you in, in jobs first or what, what, you know, made you take the decision to start your own Well, I, I guess I'm a little different. Um, when I was six, I asked my mother if I could get $2 a week for doing my chores, for okay. doing dishes and taking out the trash. <laughs> she told me no. That's... Uh, your chores for the family <laughs> and being six, I thought, well, my dad's in charge. So I'll go talk to my dad and he'll give me money. And his first question was, have you asked your mom? <laughs> I said, yes. And she said, no. And he said, well, then the answer is no. <laughs> but if you want to make some money, you can come work with a cleaning company. It was a, a commercial cleaning company. And uh, he said, I'll pay you $2 an hour. I'm asking for two hours a week. So I'll pay you two dollars an hour to you know vacuum floors and stuff like that. And I'm like, cool. You know, half the time I have to go with them anyway because there's not a babysitter or whatever. So um, I started working at a really young age, um, and that that wasn't really being an entrepreneur, but it did it did teach me like to value, I guess, my time, the money I made, the things I bought with my money. You know, while my friends were waiting for their parents to give them something for Christmas. Um, I went out and bought it the day it came out, you know, and when it broke because I was stupid with it, um, I was very upset because it was my hundred dollars down the drain, not my parents. So, um, you know, I, I learned how to manage people when I was 12 and 13. I, um, I had a crew of either three or five people, depending on the night that uh, cleaning a college campus with my father. Um, I don't think they liked having a 12 year old tell them what to do, but, um, you know, I learned to overcome that and that really helped me a lot in life because I, not anymore, but when I was younger, I had a baby face and everyone thought I was younger than I, than I was. And, um, you know, I, I learned how to work with older people. So 
entrepreneur-wise, it probably started when I was in high school. Uh, I hated working at a grocery store. I worked at a laundromat. Um, all those hours to get an $80 paycheck, you know, back when minimum wage here in the U.S. was four twenty-five an hour. Um, didn't work for me very well. So uh, I think my first entrepreneurial venture was to see that uh, clubs in high school sold candy bars to, as fundraisers. Everybody complained that they weren't very good and they cost too much. So I went to Costco and I, I bought super packs of assorted uh, Mars and Hershey products, et cetera. And I undercut the price of the bars and I, I set up to where people could have a dollar bill and buy it from me and I had change for them. And um, it sounds kind of dumb, but you know, I managed to make five or six grand a year selling candy bars in school. So <laughs> um, to me, it was just, hey, I don't have to have a dumb job like all my friends do. I make more money than them. And uh, when I want to ask somebody out on a date, um, I can afford to take them somewhere besides McDonald's. So <laughs> <laughs> I learned quickly that having some money in your pocket was a good thing too. Wow. It helped wow. you accomplish okay. things in life. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, so um, yeah. uh, high school then, um, did you go to university? Did you go to the normal route or did you go straight into Yeah, I, I went into school um, with my parents, even though neither, neither one of them had had either even gone, let alone graduated from, from college. You know, they felt like all the hardships that they had in their life, all the problems that they had faced was because they did not have the education they needed. Mm -hmm. And so for me, not going to school like wasn't an option. Um, I had a basketball scholarship to go and I had academic scholarships to go. So money wasn't an issue either. I could go for free. Um, so I went. I'm kind of like working at a job. I didn't really like um, going to school. I just did it because it's like my job right now. Um, I had a few entrepreneurial entrepreneurial uh, things I did in college that we won't discuss, but <laughs> <laughs> trying to make anything from my own barbershop, buzzing people's hairs or, you know, all kinds of goofy stuff. But, um, you know, I, by the time I was done with school, um, I was done with school and the thought of, uh, you know, working in an office in a cubicle is not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. um, probably one of the reasons why I went and my major was in marine biology. And that was because I could be out in nature, you know, the, be in boats, scuba diving, traveling, um, more of an interesting lifestyle, even though you couldn't make a lot of money. Um, you know, that's kind of what I went out into. However, right at the end of school, um, working on research work, which is part of what I actually do today, I met my wife, you know, and you get married and you want to, um, you want to buy a house and you want to have cars and you want to have kids. And then as a marine biologist, you're going to make 16, $18,000 a year. You're not going to have any of those things. So yeah, that's what got me to realize I need to go do something like I've done, but on a bigger scale. And so that's how I, I kind of got out of science and went into real estate. Started to do the things that I did for the next decade and a half. Okay. And what were some of those things? So how did you start in that business and, and how did you grow uh, and what level did you eventually get to? Well, like, like in most people who go into real estate, it's, it's usually um, you failed at everything else. <laughs> 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 you can't think of anything else to do, and it's only like 700 bucks to get into it. So like away you go. And um, for myself, I didn't think I had any sales background or I didn't know I was going to like maybe sell some stuff to family or whatever. Um, I'm just kind of hoping um, I could make it work. Uh, but I just, I, you know, I discovered I was good at it. Um, I ended up being rookie of the year um, in the office that I was in. Um, I, I learned some really valuable lessons from people who had been in the business for decades about how you make money, how you can make things consistent, you know, in, in, in what you're doing. So you know, that helped me a lot. Um, I, I changed companies a few times because I got better mission splits based on the amount of business I was doing. You know, I went and educated myself, um, put in the time, uh, made sure I did things like, you know, my, my average customer's age was about 67 years old in Florida, and I'm 23. And so there's a little bit of a, I don't know if this guy knows what he's doing, probably going on. So I tried to make sure they were very impressed with me over the phone <laughs> before we met in person. Um, so the baby face didn't scare him away. Um, but eventually, you know, I became the number one realtor. In the office I was in, I started a team, I grew into a group, 
you know, because as you scale, you can't do everything by yourself, no matter what you're doing for a living, you have to have team members to help you. Um, after a while, I realized, you know, heck, I'm a big chunk of what this entire office does. Like I should have my own office. So being as brilliant as I was at 24, you know, um, I might as well open my own business and then quickly it's some opening up another one and I'm having someone who I've met who wants me to help them open up one in another state and kind of like getting into real estate to begin with. I just kind of backed into owning a bunch of offices and then the whole uh, real estate implosion happened in the U S which in Florida started in 2006, like kind of earlier than other places. And uh, at first my hair was on fire like everybody else. You know, I've, I've gone from being a 150, you know, 100 to $150 million producer to um, I'm not sure if I can sell $10 million this year if no one's buying anything, no matter what it's priced at. Um, and I was sitting, you know, at the time, I needed $70,000 a month to pay all my bills. Um, I was young, I'd been stupid, you get a big house and big cars and big everything. And um, I see people making that mistake online right now who are, who are active on Facebook. They're, when, when the economy isn't as friendly as it is now, they're gonna learn some painful lessons like I did. Um, but you know, I, I knew giving up is not an option. I had you know, all these kids at home and a wife depending on me who'd given up her career to, to raise our family. And, and so you have to get something done. And uh, I saw a, a quote uh, from Warren Buffett, you know, and, and he, he was talking about wherever there's the most problems in the economy, wherever the, the fire is the biggest when things are going wrong, that's where he goes. That's where you make money. <laughs> and at the time in real estate, I realized everything was on fire, including my hair. <laughs> Everybody else had the exact same problem I did or worse. And um, I realized that I could buy real estate companies for as little as $1,000 that used to be worth millions 12 months ago. Okay. I realized that people were losing everything. They were going bankrupt no matter what. Um, and I also realized looking at my companies that, you know, I'm looking at a closing statement. And if, you know, for anybody who's ever purchased a home, you see all the different people who make money in a real estate transaction. And you, if you're in real estate for a living like I was, you know of all the other companies who make money after the transaction, um, all the needs, especially with investors. Um, I realized that I was only getting like 18% of the money coming out of all the work that my agents and myself you know, are putting together. So I realized I needed to own a title company. I needed to have a mortgage company and a property management company and a commercial division and all these things. And it wasn't so much that you're sitting here trying to do like 10 things at once. You're just simply trying to manage other parts of the business that you're already conducting. So I realized if I could get a hold of real estate offices real inexpensively, they were kind of the central hub that you needed to build a circle of, of companies and multiple income streams around and I took Warren Buffett's advice and I went out and I started buying. Um, took the last money I had left. We were doing asset purchases. So we're just, in some cases, buying the cash from the bank and that was about it uh, from a company. And um, I had planned on buying a few, you know, correcting my own personal income issue. Uh, I, I brought on partners who could bring in other services that either I couldn't do or legally couldn't do because of different licensing laws, et cetera. Um, made mistakes with some of the partners I brought in, <laughs> had to get out of business with those partners. Sometimes that was extremely expensive. Um, like I completely created what I, what I did, but had to undo it all the first year I was doing it. And it cost me millions of dollars basically in income because I was in business with the wrong people. Right. I'd been too, too rash, too hasty rushing into it to trying to get money, you know, to, mm pay my bills and fix my problems. And uh, I just didn't have enough knowledge about credit score gets dinged up. It's not that big of a deal. You can fix it in 18 months, 24 months. Like, you know, worry about what you need to actually worry about. Um, but once I got things right, I was working with the right people. You know, we just kind of went around and I'm just kind of, we're able to, we had a repeatable model 
we just repeated it and repeated it and repeated it. And we went to all of the states that had the most real estate pain, which also happened to be the states that have the most real estate gain when things come back. And uh, just repeated and repeated and repeated. So that repeated um, model, was that just buying, buying with the business or buying the assets? Yeah. What, what, we orig- uh, what finally became the perfect model is we'd find between two and four failing real estate offices that were middle of the road. They weren't anybody important who had a value. They also weren't like a guy and six friends and there's nothing there. Um, none of them could make any money, so they were disappearing. But if you cobbled them together, it was an entity that could at least pay for itself. It didn't require cash once you combined everybody. And then we brought in our circle of companies around it, and they all generated money immediately. Because in a lot of cases, um, we had people in other states who could conduct the business there. Uh, you know, the same time Amazon was creating AWS, uh, we had virtual servers, we had our own cloud system, um, we, had, we could have somebody sick in California have people in Florida, you know, conducting business for them and vice versa. Um, it's the kind of thing where I was looking into actually buying um, franchise rights in Realogy in like Australia or in European countries because I realized I had something that you could just kind of plug and play anywhere as long as you adapted to whatever the local rules were. Um, so, you know, it, once it grew, it just kind of grew exponentially. Uh, before we it was just a matter of what city do I want to fly to to like yeah. start it again. So. so before we move on to obviously the, the major growth, what were some of your mindset like, you know, some of your fears and doubts and, and some of the challenges when you were starting up and when you went through this phase of, of crash and then trying to build it back up? Well, I guess my fear always was, hey, I'm just this little kid from Wisconsin who came from a working class family. What do I know about big anything? Um, I had watched family members, you know, have financial problems. I've seen my parents have financial problems. Um, my chihuahuas are excited right now. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you always have doubt. I mean, there isn't anybody who doesn't have fear that like, I can't do this. Um, that's the biggest thing that, that prevents anybody from even starting anything is you've got that lizard part of your brain, your, your fight or flight, that's trying to keep you out of trouble and trying to keep you away from disaster. And it's the first thing that comes up saying this is hard and it's not for sure. Maybe you shouldn't do this because it's safer to not to. Um, so I always had that in my mind. I think part of the reason why I was able to move forward was maybe um, I was young and <laughs> stupid enough to not realize how much trouble I was getting myself into. <laughs> but um, I think the main part of it was starting to work so early in life uh, for my family. You know, I paid taxes when I was eight. Um, having a couple of goofy little businesses, you know, to make money. You know, I knew this was the right thing to do. And I knew I wasn't the only person with problems. And I, I also knew I was going to fail at things I was doing. You know, and I, I think it actually helped that I already lost a bunch of money and had a bunch of stuff blow up in my face to realize, well, it's not that bad. Like, I'm still here. I'm still breathing. Um, the sun will come up tomorrow and I can get more accomplished tomorrow. So, you know, mindset-wise, I think I just, whatever the fear comes in, you know, you, you sit there and you say, well, um, I can curl up on a ball here and accomplish nothing or I can just keep going forward because everybody else around me is eventually going to stop and I'll just literally succeed by attrition. Um, that's how a lot of businesses, last person who quits wins, you know, like um, eventually you're the only one standing. So, you know, today I yep. still get afraid when I'm doing something new. Okay. okay. You know, so, I'm going to start coaching and I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. So we have know. the coaching. So <laughs> was it the real estate? So which business? Oh, so we, in, in the intro, we said you've got some nine, 10 and even 11 figure businesses. Were they all in real estate or what, what were they? What were yeah, it was, it was financial services, you know, um, investing money for people, um, mainly in real estate, but um, real estate company, actual buying and selling of, of, of physical property, uh, title work, uh, you know, mortgage. Like those, those main entities are mm-hmm. what all the volume went through. Uh, we had a lot of companies that did very, very well that handled all the 
little extra money you could make. Um, commercial real estate would have joined all that, but it's something I started a little later on and didn't get a whole lot of time put into it before I, I said enough's enough and cashed out. Okay. And um, so which one was the 11-figure business? And was that the, the commercial real estate one? Or? No, no, that, that's, that's a real estate company. That's a real estate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and is that the one you sold eventually then? I actually sold everything. Right. Um, the entire Umbrella Corp was sold. Um, okay. It was worth more broken up. So broke the entities up into, you know, they were, they were easily sellable units that could be just like a single real estate office where the broker wanted to buy it or the agents wanted to get together and buy it. Um, you know, we sold some things that way. We sold some things like the title company that somebody just wanted to absorb it to grow their footprint. So they, it was a simple transaction. Um, they didn't want everything else involved with it. They just wanted that entity. Right. So, um, you know, one way or another, um, they all went either in, in a single fashion or in small groups. And it took about three years to get that all done. Right. Um, and how long it's hard to take, unwind all that. <laughs> how long did it take you to build the empire before you, you decided to sell? Uh, 14 years. Wow. Okay. And, 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 tell yeah. us and, I, and I'm starting from like, I started in real estate in business for myself. Um, about seven years. Okay. Seven years from and, and actually what, starting my own company. And what made you want to sell? So what, what caused the decision to sell? Uh, well, a few things. Uh, one was health. Um, I was working 115 hours a week wow. for a decade and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured out one time, I, I worked as many hours as if you graduated from college at the average age and retired at 62, like people do in the U.S. Um, I put in, it was about 87,000 hours, something ridiculous like that, 90 um, you know, when I'm on a family vacation for Christmas in Hawaii, I'm still working 70 hours that week. I'm up all night working. My wife's mad at me. <laughs> yeah, because I was just about to ask, but, obviously you've got five children as well. Um, yeah. So how did you manage the, the family life and, and obviously working? Well, that, that, that's the other side of, of why I stopped. Um, I'm on 17-day business trips, um, living in airports and planes, thinking about going international, um, I sat back one day and realized I either had to decide, do I want my business or do I want my wife and kids and my health? Um, I knew I couldn't hire like enough people to divest myself enough. Um, it's not that I, I'm bad at it. It's just I, my personality type. I do have to have a certain amount of control in what I'm doing. Um, certain amount of input. I definitely don't trust someone to like replace me completely. Um, That's probably maybe a downfall of mine, but uh, I knew that I I had to pick, you know, what do I want in my life? And I decided I wanted to do things with my kids. I wanted to celebrate my 20th anniversary, which I did last year. You know, I want to grow old with somebody and I don't want to have the problems I'm seeing other people around me are having, which you know, people had serious health problems, serious marital problems. Um, there are a lot of people I was in business with that I know they're no longer here, um, either through heart attack, stroke, mm-hmm. at, at a young age, like in your 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they lost their marriages, the kids don't talk to them. I didn't want to be those people. Okay. So I, I decided, you know, kind of at some point in your life, you got to say, when's enough enough? Like, do you have to have more? And I decided I wanted a much simpler life. I wanted to um, enjoy my days and do things I want to do um, and not be chained to the company that I've created where, um, you know, I'm literally, even though I'm the boss, I'm not the boss. Like my my business is my boss telling me where to be and when to be and how long to be there. Um, So I decided enough's enough. Time to, to stop this and do something else with my life. Okay, and um, so it, obviously it took three years to, to sell all the entities. Uh, uh, what were some of the challenges going through that phase of selling and you know, who were some of the buyers? Were they, were they other companies or were they individuals? Um, and how did you find the, the selling process? Uh, selling process was painful. <laughs> um, a lot of false starts. You know, when I'm doing this, it's 2011, you know, 12, 13. It's your economic recovery is 
getting going, but it's still not great. Um, money is starting to free up, but um, especially in the U.S., you have the government is still cranking down on different rules and trying to make it hard for you to do anything. Um, so, you know, some businesses had to be sold several times. The deals fell through after months and months of, of working on it. Um, some, I mean, it literally took two years to receive all the payments. It was um, biannual payments you were receiving uh, because you're, you were in a market where just people being flushed with cash wasn't really reality like it is right now. Mm -hmm. um, I still have some things I'm receiving, some residual payments on as part of the deal. I mean, tech, I don't own anything anymore. I'm, I'm paid out that way, but I still get money certain days of the month um, until I'm paid out or they go out of business or whatever. <laughs> Which I've actually had some of the entities I built that were huge, they're gone. Wow. People failed. Okay. You know, four, four or five years later, they were bankrupt, you know, and they, they couldn't, they couldn't run the thing. Um, I'm just lucky they had the money to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> so was it easy? Absolutely not. Um, but it wasn't easy building it either. And it wasn't easy running it. And so I was under no illusion that, that trying to get out of it was going to be simple. Um, cause I didn't, I didn't have a simple business to sell. It's complicated and there was lots of parts of it. Did you sell them to private buyers or the companies or people inside your own? Your all own, three. All three? We, okay. Yeah, we, we had entities that were absorbed, just like, like again, someone to expand their footprint. Um, actually, probably half of it were people who worked within the company, got together, pooled their resources and, and purchased it, and then took a, a big chunk of their annual income to finish paying it off. Um, you know, when I sold, I knew I was selling at a, at a bad time as far as trying to maximize the amount of money I'm making because you know, due to the kind of kinds of businesses most of them were, you know, you don't have, it's not annual contracts, there's not a reoccurring income, so multiples are, are hard to, to come by in, in good times, let alone bad times. So, you know, I was doing it for personal reasons. It wasn't worth it to me just to wait five years for the, the economy to be better. So... Mm -hmm. A lot of it was internal, but some of it was just a private person, a, a, ret a retiree in, like in Florida or Arizona that knew the business, had worked with us a lot, found out what, you know, I was selling, and they came up and said, I'd, I'd like to buy this from you know, my son-in-law or something like that. Um, you know, so just kind of a private money deal with them. Okay, okay, brilliant. And, and so let's move on to some of the causes that you've obviously been a part of. Um, were you a part of causes in that period or did that come after? No, I, I was always involved with that during that period. Uh, some of the companies that I, I bought franchises in, like, like Keller Williams Realty, um, were always very big on like food drives, things like that, trying to help the, uh, the homeless or, or those in the poverty level. Um, you come in contact with a lot of people. So you, you tried to have your offices put together drives, tried to help people out at holidays. Um, I did things like, uh, like Publix is a big... Um, grocery store chain in the southeastern United States and go in there and like, you know, buy all the the turkeys or the the bags of whatever they're they're being sent off to a homeless shelter and you just go pay for all of them. Okay. Um, try to help out however you can. Mm -hmm. I know what it was like to get those handouts yeah. times in my life. And I know they help out a lot. So since I had some money, you know, I I, I tried to return that favor. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, the, the battered women um, with children uh, charities that I, I try to help out. That was just because I, I, I had something in me where I have an issue with, with men who pick on women because it's all they can accomplish in life, um, especially if they hit them. Um, it causes a lot of anger inside of me towards that person. And so I, instead of going around beating people up, which you get a lot of trouble doing, <laughs> I, chose, I chose to try to help, you know, those women who wanted to get away from that situation uh, any way I could mm -hmm. so that maybe they could accomplish it. Okay. Um, and the nonprofit, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, that was basically me going back to what I did in college. Okay. I, I was doing research work. It was, it was aquaculture, um, kind of ocean ranching work, trying to mass produce seafood. And growing up in Florida, you know, I watched the environment steadily year after year, declining as more and more people retired here because it's a popular retirement area. Um, 
you know, more pressure from humanity always, the environment suffers. So I spent a few years complaining about it. You know, I spent actually well, most of my life where I lived in Florida complaining about it. It's ridiculous that they're allowing this and that. And, you know, I'm worrying about who we should elect. And I finally realized that you know, there's nobody doing anything um, that should be anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I needed to shut up about talking about what a problem it was and try to do something about it. So um, I started Ocean Habitats and uh, we produce an, an artificial uh, fish reef is what it is. It, it utilizes wasted space underneath boat docks. Um, so it grows life and, it, and the oysters and things like that that live on it, it naturally filters the water. So they basically they replace the coastal wetlands that were lost in the, you know, 75 years ago when, when coastal development um, took place. They were dug out and replaced by homes and seawalls. So um, there's something I could do that was like, Again, going back to college, things that I loved helped the environment. So I, I was, I could tell myself, I've shut up and I'm doing something now. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's something that working very, very hard on growing as large as I can. Okay, you know, so that's, that's how, how is that being funded? So in terms of the finance, how are you funding that? And then how are you able to do all the, the amazing things that you're doing? Well, to start with, the funding was basically the profit margin of the device that we're selling. He's putting the money back into the company to grow it. You know, we're nonprofit. It's not that hard to not have any money at the end of the year because there's a million and one things that need to be spent on. Um, as we've grown, we, we have started getting to a phase where we're, we're taking, uh, you know, donations from, from individuals and end of the year taxes, you know, that type of thing to, to help accelerate our growth. Um, and now this year, um, I've gone ahead and uh, started a for-profit subsidiary that it owns. To, to, to have a real company selling a product. Um, and then the profits go back to the nonprofit for, for additional work. We have other, other products that we're working on, testing to bring out, et cetera. So self-funding is how it started. Self-funding is still about 95% of it. Um, I'm a firm believer in if you're, if you're growing a business and it can't generate any kind of cash flow you know, to be able to sustain itself, um, you're in the wrong business, but you're not very good at running it. <laughs> your business plan is not very good. There's a problem. Um, you shouldn't be in a business where there's just no money involved and you don't know how you're going to make this happen. Um, it, it's, well, it's not easy. It's also not that hard. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, we talked about your mission a little bit, but can you expand on your mission? What, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And, and what is your vision for, for this nonprofit? Well, like, our coastal waters here, um, coastal fisheries, the percentage decline they've had in the last 100 years, basically, is literally like 90% in a lot of cases. Um, you know, as far as the people being dependent upon it for food and income in the United States, it's not as big of a deal. But in large parts of the world, um, that's where you get money from. And that's where you get food from is the ocean. And if that's all dying and going away, what are you going to do? What are your children and grandchildren going to do? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an extremely serious problem. So, you know, our mission is to help bring coastal waters to life. It's sad that there are coastal waters that aren't alive. Um, they used to be when I was born. Mm-hmm. They've, fisheries have collapsed. People, people who were fisher, you know, fishermen for a living, they're, they're doing something else now. Um, we're trying to take all these man-made areas, of which there are plenty of, and bring them to life, make them productive. Um, you're, you're not going to get rid of all of the, the homes that have been built. You know, they're here to stay. You're not going to tell people to leave. Uh, you're not going to get rid of the businesses that are waterfront. Um, but you can, you can make them productive again, those areas. Um, you know, that's what we're doing. Um, other people are planting mangroves. You know, other people are restoring areas that have been damaged. And I let them go do their job. And we get underneath docks and, and make them productive. That's, that's our partial solution to the problems that we have. And we have 4,000 units in the water now. And the goal is to have 100,000 units in the water. So I'm just getting going. It's still in the baby steps, but we're going to get there. Brilliant. And I think you touched up 
upon it before that you still have fears and doubts. Um, are there, what, what are those fears and doubts now and, and how do you overcome them? Well, like with this, it's, you know, I don't have any competition with what I do like I did in business before, but I had to deal with government regulators. And like right now I have people in Western Australia that are interested in bringing what we're doing there. So now it's a whole nother um, set of rules to learn and follow. And so you, you have doubts of, can I keep doing this? Can I succeed? Am I going to fail when people in Europe say they want to do blank? Um, Cause it's a whole different party I'm joining now. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I have to like go back to, you know, my past and, and say, yeah, the there will be problems and there will be failures and we will find places where we don't get to work because it just doesn't work out. Um, that's life, especially in business. Not everything works out. <laughs> so I think for me, I just try to be practical about, I have to keep moving forward in you know, some forward direction and it's going to work out eventually. Even if it's not the plan I thought it was going to be to make it work out, mm-hmm. I'm going to find a solution. I'm going to find several solutions. Um, they're out there. I just have to come across them if I don't know them already. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so now you're starting a, have you started already the, the coaching business or tell us a little bit about. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually, I think on your show here, I'll say, Hey, I okay. have decided after two years of him hawing around about it. Um, a few times that I'm going to start on blank date, but then I get busy with my nonprofit or, it's somebody's birthday or whatever. And I put it off and put it off. You know, here I'm, I'm procrastinating. Just like I tell people, you know, okay. you got to get started. You can't, <laughs> you can't sit, you can't, you can't do anything if you're doing nothing. So mm-hmm. I'm just starting, um, starting today. Okay. Um, so what, what is like, your, what is your, what's your plan or what's your aim? Who, who do you want to coach and, and why do you want to do it? And what do you want them to achieve? I, I want to help people. I actually don't care if they're just starting out or if they have something sizable that they're trying to take to another level. Um, those are obviously two different kinds of people, but they have the same issue if they need to grow from one size to another. I've grown from just starting to about as big as you can think of getting, and I've done it multiple times. So I'm looking to help people avoid the mistakes I made, mm-hmm. avoid the expensive mistakes I made. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Um, help people, I guess, manage the, the fear, the stress, um, you know, maybe make some, some important decisions early on about how big they're going to get, um, mm-hmm. try to avoid some of the pitfalls that are out there, uh, that you get into pretty quickly as, you know, in business, you make money if you're really, really tiny or if you're gigantic and everywhere in between, you're in some phase of going out of business if you're not transitioning to something larger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just wanted to help smooth that road out for people. Um, not everybody needs an 11 figure company. In fact, I would advice don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's let's, let's take not a, a lot of fun <laughs> why why would you not advise people to go for an 11 figure company <laughs> well um for anybody who's done disc testing um you know everybody has different personality types they have different strengths and weaknesses and i am a firm believer believer in um it takes a certain mentality a, a certain kind of person to grow something that size you you know you have to deal with thousands of people it's not a you and some VAs and like one good assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have hundreds of employees and you're going to have thousands of subcontractors. And you might have tens of thousands of vendors that you're, you're working with to accomplish something like that. Um, it's a lot of organization. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of balls to keep in the air. And it's not for How did you time all. manage that? That, that sounds, sounds like a lot. So how did you manage to, to deal with all of that? Well, th- that was my problem. I, I worked 20 hours a day. Um, I, my business was everything. It was, it was all consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have really good people with you too. And, and, and for them, it has to be all consuming. Mm-hmm. You're literally asking other people to be just like you, to have no weekends and no holidays and no anything and just grind and grind and grind to like keep, get yourself to the, to the end goal you're trying to, to achieve. So um, that's why I would advise a lot of people don't go down that road. Um, you only need so much money to live a very comfortable life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to own a $650 million yacht. You know, uh, you don't need to be in the fortune 10, you know, some people go and do that and it's what they, 
what they love, I guess. Um, at least they stay there and doing it. So I'm assuming they like it, some portion of it. But, um, you know, you can, you can accomplish a lot of things you want to accomplish in life and have a very secure life and help your children and grandchildren and, mm -hmm. and all that at a much lower level. Um, yeah, so a lot of people are trying to get that. to seven-figure company level. Right. What kind of commitment is needed in terms of hours, worked, days, holiday, or just discussed to get to a seven-figure, maybe an eight-figure level? I mean, again, you're going to have to have staff. You're going to have to have people that, that you can delegate to, that you can trust, that you've trained. Um, to get to that, just to that level, you have to let go a certain amount of your micromanagement, of your, um, you know, only I can do blank. Really, the more I you involve in your company, the smaller it is. You know, I, I talked about earlier that, you know, maybe I should have delegated a little bit more. I could have been better with my time management. But the reality is I had, you know, 300 employees and a thousand subcontractors that I had to, they're all looking at me. They, and even though I put people between them and me, they're still looking at me because they've been there since the beginning. And they're like, well, Dave probably has a better answer than you do. So I'll go over your head. And, um, but, you know, to get to seven figures, you have to be able to delegate. Um, you can't, you know, you might be able to like hit a trend. You know, have a, have a lucky nine month streak of you're in the right business at the right time. And boom, a lot of money comes in. And you see those people online, they're suddenly selling a class and, and a book and everything else about how to do it. But by the time they're selling you that, it's gone. It's over. Um, it's already happened. So in business, there's no luck. And there's no, there's no uh, you know, golden ticket to, to get into the chocolate factory. It's just a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so seven figure, you're going to have to have a good team. And you are going to spend 50 or 60 hours a week at whatever you're doing. I don't care what it is. It's, okay. it's reality. Okay, so this brings me on to my next part because these days you see a lot of it where people are saying, don't waste your money or time going to college. Um, don't waste your time going to, into employment. Start your own business. What would you advise those kind of people that are thinking about whether to go to college or not or thinking about whether to go to employment or start their own business at the very early stage? Well, I have an almost 19-year-old son and one that's turning 18 uh, later this year. Um, so the advice I gave them, because neither one of them likes school, and um, that they don't want to be doctors or lawyers or anything where you have to go have a degree or it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. I advise them to start their own business, to work online. I mean, right now they work at my nonprofit. Okay. That's way better than a grocery store, they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they feel that way when it's 97 degrees outside and we're sweating yeah. away. And, but um, my advice is I think it depends on what you want to be. My oldest daughter wanted to be an astrophysicist. And she went to college and she got a PhD and that's what you have to do to go be that. Mm -hmm. um, if you're like, I don't know what I want to be in life. I definitely would not say go to college because you know, when I went to college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Just had to go. And I went and I spent four years there. And um, when I got out, I'm not going to sit here and say I never used my education because I have, I went, I was a marine biologist. What I went to school for. Mm -hmm. It's what my nonprofit is. So I use it in a way. The business side of it, however, I learned in business, making mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, so if I'm just getting out of high school right now or I'm in college and I hate it there, you know, I would definitely go look, especially with our online world today. It's so cheap and fast to start mm -hmm. something. You might not make a ton of money right away, mm -hmm. but compared to when I started a business where I needed to buy a franchise, which was $50,000 and I needed $250,000 in the bank for them to sell me the franchise mm -hmm. and you had to hire employees and like all this stuff I went to do, you know, today it's, you need a Facebook account and the phone that you already have anyway. And away you go. Like, like I got a whole bunch of equipment here. It's failing me right now because I don't have it all set up. I'm on my phone. You know, it's leaning against my computer screen to talk to you. It's occasionally going cockeyed a little bit. I have to move it back up. But, you know, you make it work. Um, I think you do have to have it inside of yourself, though. If you're going to go into business for yourself that way. You have to say, I'm going to put in the time. I'm going to get up in the morning and make this happen. Um, I'm going to learn, but more, even more important than learning, I'm, I'm going to implement and and start doing you're not going to get anywhere that you want to be at any level 
Mm -hmm. um, if you don't take action, mm -hmm. you hear that all the time online. You have to take action. You have to start. You got to launch. Yeah. Um, no matter how much you plan, it's going to fall apart at some point. You're going to fix it. So might as well just get started. <laughs> so those who are, who are fearful about getting started, they've got doubts or they've got something blocking them. What advice would you give them to, to get over that and, and really get moving? Um, no matter what, you have to find a way to handle your own fear. And uh, one thing I was told like realtors and, and brokers when, when I would, would give little mini seminars or whatever to, to people who worked for me, et cetera. I'd always tell them a story. I'd, I'd learned this from Carlton Sheets, who was the no money down guy in the 1980 infomercial world from buying real estate. Um, he put out some numbers. I actually looked them up and they were pretty accurate. I'm sure they're still pretty accurate today. No matter what it is that you want to do, number one, 60 to 70% of the people who have the exact same idea as you are so afraid that they're never even going to start. They're going to bow out before the process even begins. So if you just start, you're already ahead of at least two thirds of the people that you're being in competition with. Once you've started in the first year, two thirds of those people are going to go away as well. They're going to fail. So if you persevere through what you're doing and you grow and you learn, now you're already ahead of you know, something like 90% of the people out there. You're already in the top 10% of those who are trying to do what you say you're going to do. If you can get to year three, you're in the top like 3%, 2%. Get to year five or seven, you're in the top 1%. Um, you can't get there if you don't start, period. And you might fail. I've started some businesses that I shut down. It just didn't work. Um, wrong timing. I didn't have enough experience. Um, made mistakes, whatever. Everybody fails. Mm -hmm. You can't be afraid. Um, you don't want to be you know, 65 years old one day and say, I wish I would have. Even at that stage, it's not too late. Lots of people start businesses when they're retiring and do amazing things, you know, the, the last portion of their life. But if you're 20, 25, you have tons of time ahead of you. Yeah, it's just time to go start. Um, know that you will not get to where you ultimately want to be in six months. It's not going to happen. So be realistic. You know, you see a lot of people online, um, you know, who say you're just going to have to, you know, eat dirt for five years or seven years. And that might be true because really if, if you're going to grow something large and, and very successful, you're not going to be able to take very much money out of it those first three to five years. That money's going to have to go back in that business to grow it. And if you're prepared to put that kind of time in, which it's kind of like just going to college basically a little bit longer, you can have something built on the other side that does become, you can have six weeks off during a year and you can have a nice car and a nice house and you can be financially secure when the economy is having problems or when everyone's losing their mind over a virus or whatever. Uh, you know, you, you can, your day can be the same every day. You know, you, you, you dictate what it is you're going to be doing. So, um, People just have to get there and start, even if you're afraid. Everybody else is afraid, too. If you started, well, you're ahead of almost everybody already anyway. So at <laughs> that point, the rest is easy. You're almost going downhill. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just talk to us about your why then. So what was your why when you first started? Was it the same throughout? Has it ever changed? And what's the why now? Well, the why when I first got into business was definitely I wanted to build a life for my, my wife and you know, myself. Um, I had kind of gotten the, I'd traveled a lot um, during college. Um, so I'd gotten some of the fun things I want to do out of the way, I guess. But um, yeah, it's the same now. It's like I have kids to take care of. I'll have grandkids to take care of at some point. Um, I want to help them have a better life than I did. Um, maybe at least avoid some of the mistakes I've made, be a better person than I am. Um, so for me, it is, it's family. You know, it, it's taking care of people who are depending on me. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll probably never change. I, I don't really need anything. I can, I can wear the same shirt every day for 10 years until it falls off my back. I don't care about fashion. I don't care about cars. I've had expensive cars. I've had giant houses. My, re my retirement, we'll call it. You know, I bought a 105-year-old home here in Florida. 
Um, I think it's beautiful. Uh, it doesn't have air. Uh, I'm planting you know, an orchard and I'm putting in a garden and I own chickens and pigs. And like people who've known me for a long time are probably like, what the hell happened to Dave? <laughs> it's nuts. But I want to have beehives and cook bread. And, you know, that's like my thing. Everybody else has their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, number one, yeah, I want to, I want to help out those people important to me as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need it. Okay. And obviously these days we've got a lot of people, especially in the millennial generation that they want to focus more on making an impact than making money. Can they do both? Or do they have to make a choice between money and impact? I think you can do both. I, I'm a firm believer if, if you're doing something that's important to you, something that you love, mm-hmm. um, you're going to become very good at that because you do love it. Um, and money always follows something you become good at, no matter what it is. I mean, look, I'm, I'm building plastic fish reefs that are going into the water. So I'm putting plastic in the ocean. I'm, I'm working in dirty canal systems where people get fleshing bacteria and all kinds of bad things can, can technically happen. There's occasionally sharks and alligators in the same canal and on, on, and on. It's a seven-figure company, and it's going to be an eight-figure company next year. I'm very passionate about what we're doing. Um, I will run over anybody who's in the way of making this happen. Because like, you know, I know you had a post on things last Friday you talked about you know, the whole attitude and gratitude kind of thing. And you do need to be positive, you know, because you'll miss opportunities and stuff if you're negative. However, in business, the reality is you're going to have to run over somebody at some point to make it happen. You're going to have to outcompete somebody to get the dollars that are very limited for something. You're going to have to just be better, faster, stronger than everybody else. That's business. Um, so for, for younger people who they want to make an impact something they're doing, um, I think you can totally do that. And down the road, it will turn into money. And the more money that turns into, the more of an impact you can now make. Mm-hmm. Um, you can stop asking for handouts from grants or you know, whatever source of, of, of money you're relying on to make this impact, and you can do it yourself. Yeah. So today, it's not just about making money and donating money. You can do so much more to make an impact with your business. Right. As you're doing here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I got, when I was younger, I donated. But it's a little different world, for sure. Um, I do a lot. I get a lot more done, you know, doing it myself now, running it myself, making sure it's, it's directed the way I want it to be directed. Um, it's, it's a much faster, further reaching impact um, than just writing a check somewhere. Obviously those checks help. There's a lot of great organizations that do a lot of great work. There's also a lot of organizations that just have a lot of people getting a paycheck and that's kind of all you're sending your money to. So might be better off to, to make your own impact, in, impact that way. Okay, brilliant. Um, just before we wrap things up, so you started your coaching business. So, do you know? Have you got a structure ready? How how are you going to deliver this? Um, is it an eight week program? Tell us a little bit more about what you're planning to do. Um, I'm actually going to be starting out with just one on one. We're looking for people who want to scale. Um, you know, the price structure that's going to depend on how much of my time that they need. You know, in the old days. People pay me $50,000 for a year's worth of coaching and they got an hour of my month is all they got out of me. Um, I turned 52 people into millionaires doing that. Wow. Um, the people who didn't succeed didn't implement anything. They just sat and chatted and thought about it. Um, I'm not looking probably for a $50,000 coaching program. Um, but you know, I, I am going to start with one-on-one. And obviously there's only so much of me, so that would be very limited. Mm-hmm. I definitely will come out with, with a group uh, a coaching situation where you can get on group calls, um, you know, like a monthly fee so you can get questions answered, you can hear from other people, hear the successes, et cetera. Um, and is it that's down the road business, a little bit. Is it for any businesses? Or are you focusing on a specific niche or, you know, who? who for, for me, it actually is going to be come any to business. business. Any business. It is going to be any business. I've, I've helped people create, you know, private label bottling companies. I've helped people um, buy gas stations. I've, you know, a P&L is a P&L to me. They're all the same. They have slightly different percentages depending on what kind of business you're in. Obviously, if someone's in real estate, I have a wealth of, of knowledge and, and how to do various aspects of that, that industry. Um, 
if you're in the nonprofit world, I can definitely teach you how to go from $30,000 in income to millions. Um, so you can accomplish something with what you're doing. Um, I'm sure there, there are some areas where I should, you know, niche down to and concentrate on. Um, but in my, in my life, I have never gone and done what everyone says, this is what you should do to be successful at blank. Um, I have found that there's a formula that works for me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe I'm the only person that works for, I don't know. But, um, you know, like I, I can tell you right now, if I was coaching somebody, I would recommend them not to start seven different companies at the same time. But I've done idiotic things like that because I understood they were interrelated. And to me, it really wasn't a bunch of different companies, but um, I have no problem juggling a million things at once. Most people do. So I would advise against that. <laughs> but, um, you know, right now, I am just looking for people who are trying to scale something they're doing. Um, because especially if you have something established, scaling is not a, there's not a computer program that's going to do it for you. Um, there's not like one hire that's going to make it happen or a company you can, you can, um, have come in and, and take care of part of this problem for you. You know, there, there's a formula to growing a, a business large or at least larger than where you are. And you have to keep changing as you go through different levels. You know, what, what works at $10 million does not work at $50 million. It does not work at $100 million. Um, what you do at $100 million doesn't work at $1 million. Like, it's, it'd be a disaster. Um, you know, and I'd, I'd like to help people through that process of, you know, how big can you get if you really want to go somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and then how can people get in touch with you? Where can they get more information about what you've got going on? Right now, I'm, I'm keeping it very simple. You can, you can message me on Facebook or you can email me, david at davidjwolf.com. Okay. There is no website. There is no funnel. You don't have to talk to my Manny chat bot forever um, and, <laughs> and give up all your personal information to speak with me. Mm-hmm. It's simply scheduling an appointment to say, hey, I want to talk for 15 minutes about what I'm doing um, to see if we're a good fit, see if the finances are a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely a case-by-case basis with me with how much time is involved with what I would charge help somebody out okay. um, so it does it obviously depends on where they're at with their current business and what they want from you uh, right so literally worth speaking to you personally one-on-one uh, and then you're going to tailor make a package for them yeah if you're just starting you haven't done anything i'll talk to you i 18 times i just started something and i've never done this before and i had to go figure it out i understand like where you are and I understand you don't have $50,000 to pay for some, you know, guru to like take you to the moon. Um, <laughs> but I also know that it might be you, you pay for an hour and a half of time that gives you the advice you need to go from, I hope I can do this. I'm afraid to start to a year later, you have a business that you paid yourself $50,000 out of. Mm-hmm. I know I had conversations like that you know, early on in my career people just giving you one little nugget of advice that you really needed. Um, and it made all the world a difference. Um, saved you a lot of money. So okay, money's so. time and time is money. So I hope I can help people save both of those. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Is there any, any last words, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up? Oh, well, I'd like to thank you again for, for having me come on. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, again, to all the people who, who watch, you know, your show here, um, if you're afraid to, to start, start. If you start and you're failing, get some help. Um, go in a different direction and start succeeding. If you're succeeding and want to succeed at a higher level, then it's time to start. Um, there's nothing keeping anybody away from what they want to be someday other than themselves. There's actually nothing outside of you. If you have no money, it doesn't matter. No credit, it doesn't matter. Um, you can't read, it doesn't really matter anymore with the phone. You know, uh, you there's no limiting factors other than what's in, going on inside your head here. And you and you alone can fix that and you can accomplish anything. So go do it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Love it. So once again, thank you for coming on. Um, it's been a very entertaining and, um, you know, I got a lot of value out of that interview myself. So I'm sure people watching are going to uh, get a lot of value out of it. Value out of it. Uh, so yeah, again, thank you. Um, and everyone else, Take care and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. 
If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot if you would please rate and write a review. Please also subscribe so you get notified anytime a new episode drops. Thank you for tuning in. Now go out and attack your Minotaur.